Welcome to the Shocked Into Awakening podcast. I'm your host, Sanjog Sandu, aka Sinjog, and I'll be your guide as we take the journey from your head to your heart, from the incessant chatter of the mind to the quiet knowing of the heart. There are three episode types, head, heart, and inspire. We'll be talking about getting out of your head, getting into your heart, and interviews with inspirational people who are on the same journey as us. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Shocked Into Awakening. Enjoy the show. All right, what's going on, guys? Today we got a special guest here, but before I introduce him, I'm going to be taking him through a innocence slash heart meditation, which is what I normally do with my guests on the podcast. But I thought this time I would do it live so people listening in could join in. And who who knows, maybe this will be a more regular part of the podcast. And if, if you guys and girls like it at home, you can let me know. So let's get it going. All right, so start off by closing your eyes. And start just noticing your breath. Notice how it goes in and it flows out. Can you feel where it starts in your nostrils? Does it come out of one nostril more than the other? Can you feel steady rising of your diaphragm? Notice the temperature around your nostrils. Oh, are they always this temperature? Do you, do you notice this during the day? And notice how the breath is just one continuous loop. It's not in and then out. It's one loop. See if you can spot where the in-breath becomes the out-breath. Notice the peace. Now I want you to imagine that you're walking along a beach. You can feel the little grains of sand between your toes. You're walking barefoot. Beautiful sun is shining down. The waves of the ocean are splashing. There are a few seagulls in the sky, and then there are a couple of clouds. You're walking along the beach, and you notice some existing footprints in the sand. They're a bit smaller than yours, and intuitively you know that you need to follow these footprints. And you start stepping inside of the footprint, making the smaller footprint bigger and into your own shape. And as you're walking along, you start noticing the, these tiny purple flowers just sprouting out of the sand. A bit strange, but you look around 
and you just notice that they're blooming, you reach down and you pick one up. It's vibrant purple. You lift it to your nose and you smell it. And the scent of this beautiful purple flower combines with the in-breath from earlier and becomes your cycle of breathing. As you breathe in this flower, you continue walking and you notice more and more and more flowers around you. You keep walking until you notice you're surrounded by a sea of flowers. The scent is fully filling you up and you really feel at home. And to your left, you hear a noise, a, a baby's laugh. You turn around and you see a pram. You walk towards the giggling baby and you notice that there's a tiny hand sticking out of the pram. And as you, as you get closer, you feel the energy start to shift. Something feels more peaceful, more innocent. You get closer and closer. You feel the energy of this baby and you look inside the pram. It's a baby version of you. Before thoughts and feelings. You instinctively reach out and touch the little baby's finger. The baby looks up at you and smiles. And you burst into tears. And as this happens, you feel... All of your energy and consciousness start going into the baby. As you cry, you're released from your body and you go into the babies. You open your eyes and you see everything as if for the first time. The bright blue sky, the ocean, the flowers. More importantly, you look up at the adult version of yourself and you notice how beautiful you are. How have you never seen this before? Your amazing eyes, your kindness, your smile, the things you take for granted, you see it for the first time. And as you sit there in the pram, you realize there are no thoughts and feelings. You leave all the old thoughts and feelings behind you let go of the need to know how and you feel yourself slowly lifting out of the pram, hovering up towards the sky. You become lighter and lighter and lighter. You feel like you become everything all at once and nowhere all at once. Welcome to innocence. Open your eyes when you're ready. All right. So that was the first time I did something like that live. All right. M Mr. Mahir, how about you give us a little introduction about who you are? How's it going, Sanj? Thanks for having me on. I'm Mahir Patel. In case you didn't catch my full name because Sanj didn't say it. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's all good, man. Um, 
So I am a human behavior transformation specialist. I'm a coach. I'm also a co-founder in a company along with my mentor and my personal coach, Mark DeFrancio. The company called Creative Self Mastery. It's a company, but it's also a teaching. It's an education system that supports me and my clients in transforming their human behavior. Um, is that good enough? I mean, it depends on what good enough is, right? Um, yeah, here we I'm go. Joking. Let's launch it. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Let's do it. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a great introduction. And um, here and I met on on a yeah I, I i i guess you could call it a personal development course right yeah it was it was uh lamron intensive the lamron intensive mm-hmm. held by a friend of ours called uh, sachin sharma it was a three-day experience back in march of 2023 yeah it was pretty special me and sanj connected instantly <laughs> Um, because his style was standing out and uh, I couldn't help but absolutely take the piss out of him. Yeah, so one of the things you should know about Mahir is that he's a dick and <laughs> yeah, but, but in, 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 well, honestly, Mahir, you, 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 you were one of the people, the few people that have actually had the ball to take the piss out of it. And I, I respect people who can do that. And, and not only take the piss out of it, you, you were also genuinely curious and you were asking questions about it, <clears throat> which most people in my life don't do because they're too scared and they think, oh, I don't want to offend him. But, 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 but because you, you were being genuine and coming from the heart, even at the time, maybe it felt like you were being a dick. <laughs> I, I could tell you were being authentic and cracking a joke. And there was a, like a kind, kind hearted nature to you. Um, as 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 as, 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 as this like sort of all, 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 almost like old, older brotherly kind of vibe coming from you, which I really liked, and yeah, we we did hit it off. I'd say instantly, man. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast because um, yeah, you, you're an amazing coach and friend, and from what I've seen, like. You, you, you really do come from service as well. And you've got, you've got so much to share for the people on this podcast. And I know they're going to have their socks blown off by whatever unfolds. Man, you're uh, hyping me up too much here, man. But, um, look, I, I, you've had a first hand experience to engage with me on a very social level, on a friendship level, but even on a professional level when it comes to engaging me in a more co- in a more coaching and conversational style, having an experience. And yeah, it's a value I follow. Service is a value I absolutely live by. I found it. It was something that we all committed to all being myself, my coach and members of a collaborative that we run within Creative Self Mastery. Our coach kind of laid down the gauntlet for us and said, look, if we can, well, let's see what happens to our lives and to ourselves if we just commit to living a life of complete service, not just reserved for clients, but every single person that interacts with us, bees with us, has a relationship with us. And ever since that sort of commitment, which we started about three years ago now, um, I've seen how it's profoundly affected me, but also the way it supports others in the way I show up it's 
it's actually made my life easier um, and more joyful, more expansive. Everything that I wanted to kind of create in my life becomes a little bit more effortless when I step into the vibration and the power of service. Mm. The, the word that immediately stood out there was effortless. And that's what it's about, right? Like, and you find something that truly allows you to feel as if you're effortlessly creating something or effortlessly moving through life or being in life. That's what, and you know, you, you're in that golden zone or, and, and, and to be honest, that, that's how you know you're, you're in, in the heart, right? And you're in your heart. It just feels effortless. It flows that there, there, there can be fear, but, but there's never any doubt. That's, that's one of the things I've learned about being in the heart. Yeah, you, you, you can still be shit scared, shit in your pants, but there's no doubt about what you're doing, saying, or creating. And that's how you know you're in the heart. And then, of course, the, the other side of that is being in the mind, which everybody knows as a little bit chaotic, but definitely effortful. There's always effort, isn't there? Definitely. I find that being someone that's quite cerebral and has the tendency to default in living inside his head, I found that getting my, you know, when I come from the place of being in my head, being cerebral, being fearful by compensating, by overthinking and planning and analyzing, I find that life becomes very rigid. It becomes route with a lot of friction and the ease that I love experiencing completely diminishes. And when I'm able to switch into like a vibration like service, I just have a slightly different perspective. And just like you said, Sanjay, like it really forces me, compels me even to drop into my heart on a regular basis when I perceive from, from service. Service is a form of love, is a, a specific type of love, a very powerful and potent version of it. And when I kind of proceed from there, my life becomes, like I said, effortless. And, you know, it just keeps me in an expansive state and wanting wanting to push myself even more, dedicate myself and devote myself to all the things that I set out to, you know, create in the world. Mm. Yeah, coming from love, right? All the time, as much as possible. Not the easiest thing to do. For many of us, even for me as someone who's kind of been practicing self-mastery, it's, it's really, it really is a path of commitment, but the payoffs and the prizes and the rewards that you receive from kind of being and operating from that place on a regular and consistent basis are unimaginable. And I wouldn't change anything about that. Initially, when I first started, you know, our, you know, coming from our headspace, coming from our fear, essentially, it might not look like fear on the surface, but anything that requires analysis, overthinking, planning, problem solving, all of that is mostly fear-based. It's ego-based. It's us proceeding from our history, trying to create safety for ourselves, emotional safety for ourselves, rather than actually stepping into an experience where we know that we're comfortable and powerful in the unknown and we can have the experience without needing any circumstances to pre-exist. When we kind of operate from that place, 
love is the only way. Love is always the bridge. Love is the actions. Love is what should guide your actions as much as possible. What I've come to realize is there's a, there's a very distinct difference between when I'm operating from fear, when I'm operating from love. And even to this day, I get tested on a regular, on a daily basis because my mind is, as much as I've turned down the volume of my, you know, inner voice, my inner chatter, it still, it still has a little bit, it still has a voice that I can never completely mute it. And I'm okay with that. I'm in full acceptance around it. Um, but I know that there's a much more powerful, even yet quieter voice, like my intuition, mm. which proceeds from my connection to my higher self, which is directly connected to my heart. And when I listen to that, when I choose to listen to that, sometimes it speaks to me in words, in dialogue, and sometimes it speaks to me through the sensations in my body. Um, and I'm able to, when I proceed from that place, take actions, be with people, relate with people from that place. Um, I, I love the experience that I have, but I also, dare I say, I love being me more mm. than anything. Mm. Tet. Tell us more about your, your, your higher self and how it's different or similar to your, your heart or your intuition. Ooh, good question. Huh? That's a very good question. That's a very technical question. <laughs> um, so you said higher self, intuition, and your heart. Yeah. Personally, for me, all three of those words are interchangeable and they're all one and the same. I think most, I think there's a, we can get quite assumptive around what these terms mean. But I think I like to keep it simple, but they're interchangeable. You know, we have heart space. Heart space essentially means coming from love. Intuition is you connected to the all knowing and all seeing most loving force in the universe, which is the creative force. Um, and getting guidance from there would be what we would, I would consider intuition, your higher self. Your heart, your heart is your higher self. Your higher self is your, your heart. Intuition is just another name for it as well. So I would, my sort of answer to that is that they're interchangeable definitions. Congrats. You passed the test. You, 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 you won a free iPad. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Damn. I don't have free iPads to give away. Not yet. Anyway. Soon come, soon come. Yeah. Soon to come. Um, yeah. I really like what you said. Because I, I, I think sometimes on like any spiritual courses or practices or whatever, some people kind of get caught up on the words, right? Like it's this, no, it's that. But actually, it's all pointing to the same thing. The heart space that it almost feels like this expansive loving energy, whereas the mind is more of like a contractive controlling force, at, at, at least for me. And coming from the heart just feels different because one of the things I've been trying to think, well, think about or rather than thinking about it, maybe I should be feeling it right, but one of the things I've been thinking about is how to explain to people who have never been in their hearts, how do you get, how do you get them to understand what the heart center or feeling even feels like? Because I'm, 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 I'm sure you remember before this journey, you, you, you like me were probably constantly in your head the whole time 24 7 thinking about something trying to fix a problem worrying in the future or in the past never quite present 
So how do you get somebody who's always in that state to even get a glimpse into heart, higher self, or their intuition? For example, the meditation you just did as we began this podcast, that's one way. There's several versions of that that you can absolutely make up. That's one way to do it. But the way that I teach it, the way we teach it at Chris of Mastery, it's, it's about doing those meditations as regular as possible, but also cultivating a practice in terms of dialoguing with your higher consciousness, connecting to your heart space. It has to be a practice to strengthen that connection. It's, it's always there, but we have, we've been conditioned not to listen to it due to say childhood traumas, our history, our ego's agenda, our survival sort of narratives around surviving and safety, all of those kind of thwart our connection to our heart space, our intuition, our higher selves. And it becomes a journey of actually cultivating a dialogue with that on a regular basis. And you can do that using meditative practice. You can just, what we say is like you take a moment and then you close your eyes and you stop. You stop what you're doing and you ask. You just ask. Ask a question to your higher self. It's always there. It's you at the end of the day. It's not some ethereal force that's outside of you. It's not external. Mm. You're always there, present to it. It's always present to you. You're always connected to it. It's whether we're conscious of the connection or not. And our job is to become conscious of it in the sense that we stop what we're doing because we're an autopilot or whatever. And we take a moment to ask any question. It can even be an argument. You can have an argument with your higher self. It's allowed. And you will find it will give you answers. Now, just a bit of a disclaimer. When you're in a relaxed state, that's very easy to do. Like if you're not triggered, if you're not emotionally unstable in any shape or form, it's very, it's quite effective and it's quite simple to actually dialogue with your higher conscious, consciousness. But if you find yourself in a highly sort of emotionally unstable situation or experiencing yourself going through really strong emotions that are akin to painful emotions, fear, sadness, grief, intense anger, all of that, it can be a bit difficult to tap into that because it's our own resistance that kind of thwarts our ability to have that conversation. And another thing is, when we're in that space, when we're in really, when we're emotionally unstable or aroused or triggered, we're looking for a level of certainty. Another name of that is like orientation. So we want to create certainty because certainty equate, equates to safety. And our higher selves are, our relationship to our higher self doesn't really, we don't think about, our higher self is not really concerned with our safety in the more animalistic sense, in the more primal sense as our ego is. So when we're in the heightened state of emotion, it can be a little bit difficult. So what we encourage people to do when they're triggered, even when I'm triggered, what I do is I need to, it's a, it's a very technical term. It's called chilling the fuck out. <laughs> um, CTFO. Um, but what, what I mean by that is it's, it serves us to get to a relaxed, as close to as a relaxed state as possible, to get out of the emotional trigger as much as possible. Give ourselves the grace, the compassion, the love by slowing down, acknowledging ourselves a little bit more gently, 
doing our best to stop the internal critic and the judgments that's probably happening in those moments, doing all that work. Um, and then, and then when you feel you have faith that you'll know instinctively, naturally, that this would be a good time to dialogue with your higher consciousness. Again, by using the stopping and asking procedure, protocol, if you want to call it that. Mm. Does that answer your question, Sanjay? Yeah, that does answer my question. And I'm definitely going to be using CTFO more in the future. Just chill the fuck out. So, yeah, I, I, I like what you said. But <clears throat> so you, 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 you also said, so in, in, in order to chill out, you need to let go of some of these emotional triggers, right? And, and return to a calmer state. Uh, do, 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 do you guys over at Creative Self Mastery have, have any kinds of practices or tools to actually let go of the emotions that come up when you're triggered? Definitely, we do. One of the things that we teach is, you might have seen it, you know, it's a term that gets thrown around, but we call, we call it acceptance. And the experience of acceptance, the process of acceptance is, is really the bridge that we use to get to a place of, or really the bridge we get to is close to, if not to the point of complete emotional neutrality. So acceptance will look, really looks like just accepting where you are right now, knowing that you're frustrated, knowing that you're in emotional pain, knowing that you're sad, angry, scared. If there's, if you're in a situation and, you know, the sky is absolutely falling down, shit's hitting the fan, actually accepting that it's happening and it doesn't mean anything about you in that moment and practicing that, that starts doing the necessary things on a neurological level to actually start slowing down and actually removing you out of your trigger. Because usually what happens is the reason why our emotional triggers stay on for longer than they maybe perhaps need to is because we're overly identified with the experiences and the sensations that we're experiencing whilst we're being emotional. And it means something about us. I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling sad. I'm in pain. It means something about me. I'm a victim to this experience. But if we're like, well, you know what? This is happening to me. I'm experiencing this. It doesn't mean anything about this, but it's okay. Like these thoughts and feelings are real in the sense that I'm experiencing them, but they're no, under no circumstance do they have to be my truth and they do not have to define me in any shape or form. Once we can do that on a regular basis and as a practice, even for me, it's, it's an always an ongoing practice. Now I've got to a place where brain wise, I'm on autopilot. So if the known I know, the moment I'm triggered, my brain already has started to work to move me into acceptance around a painful or a triggering situation. Mm. But that takes diligence and practice. But if you can do that on a regular basis, that gets you into acceptance. That's what acceptance kind of looks like. And then from there, again, you'll, you'll have your own awareness around this. Um, your own, you would know you'll have your own awareness within you that be like, okay, I'm, I'm, the trigger is mostly subsided now and I can, I can maybe perhaps move into, uh, asking my higher self, having a dialogue there, you know, what should I do? Where do I go from here? Or it might be, you might be really compelled to, you know, just create an act of self love in some shape or form. 
anything could be the answer. There's no, there's no right or wrong here. Mm. The, the theme of all of this seems to be acceptance. And acceptance is so powerful. It's something I resisted for a long time. And I, 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 I know what, what your relationship is with the word acceptance. But for me personally, back when I was stuttering really, really heavily, and people would say, George, just accept your stutter, accept it, self-acceptance. And I honestly, I'd be like, fuck off. The last thing I want to do is do that. Because to me, acceptance meant admitting defeat, giving up, like throwing in the towel. It's like, no, not a chance. And it's been quite difficult for me sometimes to accept, yeah, in this moment I might stutter. But I, I know in, in the times when I do accept and it's okay to stutter, magically the stutter's not really there anymore, which is, <laughs> I know, crazy, right? And for, for me personally, in terms of the trigger thing, the, the modality that I use, uh, I, my mentor Vinny calls it emotional acceptance, but it's essentially the letting go process by David Hawkins. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, that, that's what I've been using since 2019. And like, like you were saying, oh, that's uh, just for the listeners who might not know what it is. It's, it's essentially take your attention into the feeling, stop resisting it, accept it, and just feel it and and eventually it it'll, it'll, it'll dissolve so i've been doing that since 2019 and and like you were saying earlier how how you, your brain's kind of on autopilot now so as soon as you're triggered your your brain's go to get acceptance that that's the sort of space i've i've managed to get to where anytime a negative feeling comes up my brain's like cool feel it accept it and i just automatically relax into the feeling and I, I honestly can't imagine living now uh, in, in, in the manner I used to live, which was resisting those feelings, pushing them down, um, dr- drinking alcohol to escape them, um, like l- lots of other uh, self-destructive or escapist habits like porn, just like video games and, and, and anything that distracts us, right? And, and that, that was my go-to. So yeah, let me know what you think about that. No, I love what you're saying around the David Hawkins stuff because that's essentially, if I had to kind of really tie it to um, an experiential process, the one that David Hawkins kind of outlines when I did read his book, um, pretty much no one is saying here, especially us at Create Soul Mastery and any reputable coach or therapist or counsellor would absolutely not encourage you to deny what you're feeling. Acceptance is very much about feeling your emotions fully and not being afraid of them. Like we, we, I think I know I did, and I don't want to generalize too much, but what I, you know, experienced and witnessed and observed, we're working with so many people now, is we're afraid of feeling the emotional, sorry, the painful emotions. We're like, oh shit, this, I'm feeling this, like, this feels, I, I just need to get it off me. But if we, if we realize that, look, being a human being is experiencing the entire spectrum of emotions, it becomes much easier to practice acceptance. Look, get, I get it, like, I have a very strong, I would say I'm a very, my emotional body is very strong. Like, I have experienced it. I feel like I experience emotions stronger than other people. Not that I show it or I display it, because I have a great poker face. <laughs> 
but I feel I feel them very intensely. And I could have either fought that and tried to mitigate that as part of who I am, but then it's then that means I'm I'm not in acceptance of who I actually am and how my body is, my physiology, my emotional body is, my brain chemistry, my body chemistry is. It's a complete abdication of my power. And it did not and me going into denial that I'm this type of person. But when I accepted and I showed myself a generous amount of compassion to the part of me that's really emotional, acceptance became a very natural thing for me to experience. And I also noticed when I've been through very challenging times mentally, like mental health challenges, it's because I'm fighting the emotions that need to be felt. I'm trying to keep them at bay and they're only if they if they stay within you and they're not experienced fully, you keep denying them or like you said, keep trying to escape them or trying to resolve your tension around them through external activities like porn, masturbation, shitty relationships, food, drugs, drink, whatever, whatever your vice might be, then eventually which what happened in my experience was the emotions come and they came it's like trying to keep on a lid of a bubbling volcano and then eventually it does it has to come out at some point so and when it does come out you unravel and you've experienced i experienced a tremendous amount of emotional instability tremendous amount of doubt self-doubt paranoia all sorts depression all of that when i had a really unhealthy relationships with my emotions I had to learn to actually have a healthy relationship with my emotions. And part of that was accepting that I have these emotions and when they come, they come with a lot of intensity. But as I've kept practicing that, so Angela, like in the last few years, I've got a handle over my emotions to the point where I, I no longer fear my emotions. Because if I fear them, I'm essentially saying I fear myself. I don't trust myself. Mm. And I'm like, why would I, why would I want to experience that? How is that going to serve me? And if I don't trust myself, therefore it's going to get projected. I don't trust others. I don't trust the world. So that's why it was very important for me to master my emotions. What I mean by that is not to control them, but to have absolute sovereignty of them in the sense of relating to myself in a much more powerful way, much more loving way, much more compassionate way, much more graceful way. Mm. Powerful stuff. You, 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 you said just then that, that, uh, if, 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 if you're not comfortable relating to your negative emotions, you're essentially not comfortable relating to yourself, right? Um, so, so my, my, my question to, to, to you who is, are, are, are we, we our negative emotions then, you think? Because, because obviously you, you've heard the, the, the Unknown phrase that we are not our thoughts and feelings. So I, I, I just wanted you to, to clarify a little bit about that in, 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 in terms of who who we are and who we are really, or how how these negative feelings relate to us. That's a good question. My initial sort of perspective on this would be. I don't think we are our emotions because that's what I thought I think that you're asking because we neither are negative emotions neither are we our positive ones it's just an experience that we have of ourselves mm-hmm. but one thing we have to 
recognizes that we need emotions as human beings because emotions is what drives our decision-making process. So emotions are, they're more of a navigation system for us, but it's, it's a decent navigation system, but it's not the most powerful one or the most, most accurate one, especially if we don't have a healthy relationship with our emotional body. When I say that is some of us can be attached to feeling good all the time and having that level of attachment to those certain types of emotions, you're in an addictive state of, of experiencing yourself. Mm. And same, some people love feeling shitty. Mm. Um, and that can be an addictive state. And some people just, you know, swing between those two spectrums. Would I say they are them? I think they're, I think we can say if, if we're overly identified with them, yeah, it would feel like we are our emotions. But if we realize that there's a higher version of us that's beyond thoughts and feelings, that's beyond our emotional body, that's, that's connected to source, connected to divinity, connected to love and not just conditional love, which is the emotional love. We're talking unconditional love that, that gets talked about when people talk about God talk about the universe, the unconditional love of, you know, maybe a parent, if you've ever experienced that, just this, no matter who you are, how you're showing up, you're loved anyway. That is available to us. Now, to our ego, that's pretty unfathomable. To our emotional, crazy self, thoughts and feeling self, that's like, what? Can I be really that, you know, loved to the point where it doesn't matter that I'm a fucking being shitty right now? or I'm not really successful, or I'm a failure, or whatever the, the damn history is, whatever the def definition and the story you, you're identifying with, with yourself at the time, there, that, that is available to us always. That really, for me, is something that we try and teach, I try and embody as much as I possibly can, is that your thoughts and feelings that there's, there's a higher guidance to us. That's intuition. That's beyond emotions. Right. But what you find, what I found is that, what I found is that when you're connected to intuition, that your relationship with your emotions change. So rather than your emotions owning you, you can own your emotions. Mm. Okay. So if we're saying that there are, guidance system, navigation system slightly because it helps you make decisions and it's helped with your decision-making process. When we're connected to source, when we're connected to ourselves on a regular basis, we can use our emotions and we can wield them in a slightly healthier way. We can self-regulate. We can see if we're overreacting or we're getting a funny feeling, but we don't need to make it that we, we are on the side of it. We become fearful or cautious or resentful or angry or whatever we can use it okay what is this what is this what am i making up about this in this moment it can be a great tool for actually you know using it for great self-awareness and greater ownership of our reality and agency mm. does that kind of answer your question dude yeah that was that was a fantastic answer as always um what stood out to me is, is, is and you said what are we making up about this <clears throat> and that's so key right because when we're feeling these and honestly sometimes hectic chaotic scary terrifying emotions which feel so real and it, it genuinely sometimes feels like the end of the world right but something that's so important to remember is that 
our mind is making something up here. There's some story it's kind of fabricating about a certain event that's happening. But it, it can be quite hard to, to get people to see that if they're really identified in their suffering and, and if, if, if they're really playing into the whole victim thing. Often unconsciously, not like many people choose, oh, I want to be a victim today. It's all unconscious. <laughs> well, maybe some do, but I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's, it's often unconscious, right? And and they're so used to that self-pity and needing just to be down and feeling depressed or whatever all the time that it's quite difficult for them to see that something here has been made up. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I I I, 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 I just wondered if 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 you if you, you had 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 any experiences of, of 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 either yourself being in that place and glimpsing that something's made up, or if 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 you, you've ever coached someone or worked with someone where they've really been in, in that dark, deep place, and, they, and they've been able to see that like ray of sunshine almost, where they uh, re- realise that there's a chink in the the fear armor or the emotional armor and, and and they start to glimpse that illusory nature of what's going on no i think the best example i can give you is probably myself um even whilst i've been on my journey to be a practitioner of this work i still had to face my demons and and also face my, essentially in the form of my fears, I had to face my fears. And my fears, from a experiential point of view, like the, the level of fear that I felt within my body, I was convinced that whatever my mind was making up was absolutely true. Dude, my coach will tell you about this. If, we, if you ever have a chance to speak to him or you catch some of the stuff we've talked about and some of the material we put out, but... I had a, an irrational fear of the supernatural. I honestly believed mm. that something out there was get, going to get me, right? And the more I thought about it, the more likely was it it was to happen, wow. right? That was the level. And then when I thought about it, in my level of awareness and consciousness at the time, I'm thinking, I need to stop thinking about this. That's the only way this is going to stop. And if I don't stop thinking about it, this thing is going to happen. And I'm such a idiot, shithead, dickhead, how dare I even, you know, who am I, like, I'm such a heathen for thinking the things that I'm thinking about, and this ethereal force, the devil, or some ghost, or some demons come, come and get me, and overtake my body, and I'm going to cease to exist, right, yeah, it sounds almost fucking movie-like, yeah, it's cartoon-like, yeah, that was the level of fear I was dealing with, wow, yeah, to the point where anything material was, yeah, I was scared, but my ego had to find something so intensely crazy, irrationally fearful, like the supernatural, and latch onto it and make it mean that I'm innately, there's something wrong with me that I'm thinking these things, and there's something wrong with me that I can't stop. So it must mean that there's a truth to it. If I'm obsessing, if my mind is in a loop around thinking about these things, that there's things going to come and get me, then it must be, there must be a truth to it. It must be there's some validity to my brain being on repeat that way. It took me a long time to learn and to and to master myself to recognize that if we were that powerful that we could think a thought and it could come on you know into existence. I think 
my job wouldn't exist. <laughs> Firstly, the world would be a very different place. And we would have different problems and different experiences of reality if we could just think a thought and it would come into material existence. That was one. And, but that was, that was kind of one of the narratives I adopted when early on in my personal development stage, it was like, okay, don't think negative thoughts. Right. And then my brain was like, Good luck. oh yeah, my brain was, was like, I'm thinking negative all the time. <laughs> and I'm like, oh shit, I must be an absolute horrendous shit for thinking these things. And that's kind of, you know, I really felt a deep amount of shame for thinking them. And then, and a deep amount of fear. So I would, I would, I would, I had a level of depression and anxiety that I was swinging between. Mm. And I, you know, at one point when I first had these experiences, um, you know, I was contemplating self annihilation on a regular basis, like, you know, suicide on a regular basis. That's how much I was identified with my emotions because I thought it was true. That means there's something wrong with me. And the only way out is death. And the only one, the way, you know, I can create certainty in all of this is killing myself. Now, as I said earlier, we're in, when we're in emotional turmoil, we're looking for certainty, mm. right? Now, some people will create certainty through devices, like porn, booze, drugs, whatever, whatever, shitty relationships, whatever. I did a combination of all that throughout my time. Um, but I also, you know, I also realized that, you know, I was able to kind of go through it, learn what I needed to learn. And then I had the support of my coach through some of the years where I really struggled mentally. And eventually I realized that he, he just said to me, look, dude, you're thinking you think has anything happened yet? That anything that's happened inside your head, has it actually happened yet? And he's like, and I was like, no. And, but the thing was, what was astounding by this is, it was like, even he said it, right? He was, he said it a different way, but he said it was like trying to educate someone who's, it feels like they've never done any of this work. It doesn't even have rational thinking or logic. I was so identified with my emotions to the point where if I felt really strong fear, it was like it meant something and something was going to happen and I needed to do something about it, right? So that was that was when I was at my absolute worst and my most disempowered, powerless state ever. And I had to learn to actually be courageous in the face of that. I was like, am I going to allow this level of emotion stop me from living the life that I want? You've got to realize, guys, like, our, our sort of what I would call low vibrational emotions, the one basically that proceed from fear, that ones that want to stop us in our tracks, they may be shit, but they're familiar to us. And we're looking for familiarity. Familiarity equals certainty, certainty equals safety. And if we're always trying to create that and if it's really crap it doesn't matter how crap it is because it feels safety to safe to our egos we will tolerate it indefinitely until we realize that if we want to create something better much more empowering much more loving much more courageous much more adventurous much more expansive 
we have to engage our will to move outside of that realm of existing and make better choices. And as a part of that process, we have to essentially repair the relationship to our emotions as that happens. Because otherwise, every time you have a setback or the fear rises, it's going to stop you and you're going to want to quit. You're going to want to quit on things that you, you want to experience in life. And that becomes one of the biggest things that you we all gonna all are going to face when it comes to creating things we want in life. That we want to quit and move. We have ways of quitting. It's too painful. I'm too scared. I've got this problem. I've got this issue. I've got this thinking happening. I've got this story playing out. Mine was to the point where I've got things chasing me in the middle of the fucking night. That, you know, that is the level we will pull out anything to make sure that we keep the stakes quo. Mm -hmm. And that's why I know that I've had to come, overcome a tremendous amount of my own internal fear. And I realized if it's possible for me, and I've known people that have been in even worse situations circumstantially along with their thinking with a really strong, you know, my mentor and coach, he's had a, he had a crazy alcohol addiction, opiate addiction partly paralyzed, all of that, complete victimhood, complete victimhood. And he, his life was absolutely fucked and shit. And then he made a commitment, slowly but surely, incrementally to change things. And so did I. And then eventually you start seeing proof that actually, maybe my thoughts and means are not real. Mm. Maybe what I'm, even though they're intense and they feel so real, they're actually not because there's a person standing right next to me and they're completely fine. There's people around me and they're experiencing reality. Everything's fine. So a lot of things are just happening within me. Mm. And, and I also realized that I could follow through on things that I wanted to experience and create, you know, aspirational goals. And I could still feel shitty, but I could still accomplish them. And that was also important for me to recognize because I don't want to, one of the things that we, I think we also, it's very important for us to learn something that we also teach that our coach clients in is no matter how you feel, it's important for you to follow through regardless of where you're at emotionally. Just because you're happy doesn't mean that that raises the chances of you creating the thing you want. It does help. It does help when you're happier and you're joyful. It does make things a lot more effortless. Mm -hmm. But if you're overly identified with your pain, things become even more challenging and then still following through makes it difficult. But the, what matters is that you still follow through regardless. And it was only until when I made a commitment that only in the last two years, really, I kind of just put the foot on the gas where it came to, I don't care how shitty I feel, no matter how much sleep I've lost, how much anxiety I have, how much fear I have, how much depression I have, whatever, I have, I'm still going to get my shit done. I have actions to take, I'm going to get it done. And what happened is, over time, I was able to gain awareness and objectivity in a way I never had before. And that's really what we want. We want objectivity over our emotional state. And also we're able to be a lot more compassionate and patient with ourselves. That, okay, if I'm feeling this way, is it real? Is it really that real? Okay. And it's okay if it is, because I have faith in myself enough that if there is a real threat, I instinctively know what to do. Mm. So, bit of a epilogue there but, <laughs> but just why I wanted to paint a picture so I really I hope that served anyone that's listening to this and I hope it really kind of 
didn't confuse you too much, but actually made things clearer. Yeah, well, well, I thought so. So, first of all, thank you for for sharing all all, all of that because because a lot of that was very personal and yeah, I I, I had no idea to 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 quite what extent you had all, all of those fears right about the supernatural. So so that was actually the first time I was hearing about specifically what the fears were about. I was, I'd, sp- I'd spoken to Mihir before, and and he, he 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 told me that he was depressed and suicidal and all these things. But th- this was the first time you really went that deep into it. So, that, thanks for for sharing that. No um, props, man. Yeah, it was a, it was really inspiring as well because you you're right. If 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 you've been through it, and, and your coach was an alcoholic in a really bad state, he's been through it and, and come out the other side. Then it's, it's very inspiring for people listening who are perhaps in a similar state, right? And they think, oh, okay, maybe I can come out of it as well. Definitely, man. I think I don't want to say that everyone needs to go through some crazy, shitty time in their life as a prerequisite to them being able to serve people, serve others, being a coach, being someone in the field of personal development, or whatever, whatever it might be. It's not a prerequisite, but. It, it has, it, that was just my journey. That was my coach's journey. And yeah, it does give us a level of credibility. Um, but I also want to say that anyone that's listening to this, it's not necessary to go through that level of trial and tribulation, but it's given me the one thing it's given me. And I think also with along with Mark, my coach, it's just for me personally, it's allowed me to cultivate a level of compassion for myself that I don't think I ever received from anyone. Um, even my parents, like I love them, I, you know, bless them. They're amazing. But to give myself, give myself the things that I needed emotionally, experientially, vibrationally, energetically, this is what that, that sort of crucible, that hero's journey allowed me to do. Like it allowed me to become self-referential not depend on anything outside of me to make me feel better to heal me if you want to use that term to empower me it's all because it's down to my own awareness my commitment to commitment to actually having a much more powerful relationship with myself therefore my higher self my heart and connected to my heart in a way that I've never had done before because at the end when everything was all said and done I realize I have one choice. I either can keep looking outside of me for answers and help and support, which is nothing wrong in that. There's a, there's a, there's, there's a time for that, but it also has its limitations. But the most important thing you can do is it needs to be balanced out with you being able to completely use yourself as a point of reference. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the biggest values that I have as a coach with any person that I work with. And even at CSM, we're like, look, number one priority is you can get yourself referential. That we move you out of your need for us as coaches, need for anything outside of you, and you can completely, or most of the time, rely on your inner guidance to actually guide you through. And your inner guidance might take you to actually aligning with someone or working with somebody, but it has to come from that happiness. One hundred percent. Being health referential, so powerful, and and actually, the the, the first time I, I ever uh, even heard that term was was from you. But um, as, as, as soon as you said it and explained it, it was like, boom. And intuitively, it felt like the truth. And it's 
this is something that, that I've personally been working on over, over, over the last couple of months, right? Because I've since 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 2019, I've I've had this habit of looking externally for answers, right? I've done so many speech therapies trying to fix my stutter. I've done loads of um, coaching with people trying to get this 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 magical external answer which will fix me and heal me, all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And all of it was helpful. But what I've been learning recently, and and, and a part of that is uh, through you saying be self-referential is really realizing that the answers all come from within and not from the mind the answers come from the heart and and, and that's what you're talking about by inner guidance right that inner guidance is is that really quiet but knowing voice versus and you're, you're trying to work things out from the mind and it feels heavy feels confusing and it feels like you have no idea what's going on so learning to trust that inner guidance has been so powerful for me and obviously for you and everybody you've worked with what what, what do you think the the most important thing is for, for, for people listening to this to to start checking in with their inner guidance how how do they do it and how do they tell the difference between if, if it really is their heart and the inner guidance or or if, if it's it's like the, the 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 ego sneaking in the back door and just not 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 quite uh, their true guidance great question i obviously i said something a little bit earlier on you know the acceptance bit the stopping and asking mm-hmm. but first and foremost it, us having a relationship with our higher self with our heart space has to become a practice and you have to be willing to get it wrong. You can't just assume that you're going to nail it on the head every time. And look, disclaimer, your ego will seep in. Like you think you're talking to your higher self, right? And it might be your ego. It will happen. Guaranteed. It happens to me. It happens to my clients. And I'm like, that was your ego. That was fucking, <laughs> fucking from higher space. Higher self, sorry. And from heart space. But that's the thing. And obviously things are easier. Not to, you know, a bit of a shameless plug. If you're working with a practitioner like myself or anyone that coaches at CSM, then you can start cross-checking it and referencing it. And you can start fine-tuning on what you know is higher self and what isn't. But if you want to, you know, if you if it's something that that's not accessible to you right now um, or that doesn't speak to you, the only thing I can say is practice, experiment. And don't be afraid to get it wrong more than anything. There is no, and another thing is we're, especially like the way I like to teach, the way I love to teach, it's very much in line with the way CSM do things, create self mastery do things, is create your own process around it. You're going to have your own process to actually connect with higher self to your heart space. And it doesn't have to be overt. It doesn't have to, you have to light sage and shit and candles and, (laughs) do om and you know and sit in like um lotus position no, none of that it, right so <laughs> it, it doesn't have to it can be right but you got to understand you want something that's available to you anytime in any place as as accessible as possible so 
create your own routine, your own ritual around it if you need a ritual. But it doesn't have to be so overt that it kind of defeats the purpose of you connecting to it because it's something that's available to you. Technically, you should be able to say, higher consciousness, I'm talking to you now. But one of the things we say, one of the cues we use is I choose to love, I choose to serve myself with love and truth. Mm. That's what we say to ourselves. I choose to serve myself with love and truth. Close my eyes and I say, I choose to love myself with love and truth. That's something that we, one of the first things that we kind of teach people around connecting the heart space mm. on a on a sort of suggestive basis that's like queued up advice. I choose to serve myself with love and truth. And really slow down, really connect with those ver- words, like words of spells, right? Words of spells. What is it? As the word, the Hebrew words, abracadabra, I think the Hebrew. Aramaic or something, or Hebrew, but what it means is I speak, therefore I create. Really? Yeah, that's wow. what Abracadabra means. Wow. Uh, or something similar like that. So anyone listening to this, you know, you can check me on the exact translation and this, the, what language it exactly is, but I'm pretty sure it's Hebrew. But not Jewish, Hebrew, just so that we're clear. Um, and, and that's what, you, when you say that to yourself, it, it generates a thought, it generates a feeling and an emotional. This is where you can start using your emotions and wielding your emotions a lot more powerfully. When I say to myself, I choose to serve myself with love and truth. Those words carry weight for me, right? And they carry weight, not because they didn't always carry weight. It was like, yeah, I choose to love myself with love and truth. But, and then I'll start thinking, oh, I'm in high self. But as I slowed myself down, I realized that if I'm going to speak with my consciousness, I'm going to take my fucking time. Like, this is me. I'm going to chill out with me. This is my highest version of me that I'm going to have a dialogue with. Why would I want to rush this experience? Mm. Why would you want to rush that? I'll slow it down and I would do my best, do your best to connect with those words and see what emotions they evoke within you. Now, you might find you get a little bit of resistance to those words. You might feel uneasy, but proceed anyway. And see what becomes obvious. Remain, have faith, remain courageous, and get experimental around around this experience of connecting to your higher self, your heart space, all one and the same. Your intuition. Mm. Does that does that help? Yeah, I I, I, I love the, the 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 phrase you use. I choose to serve myself with love and truth. Is is that correct? Yeah, that's the one that Mark taught me. Mark French on. Mm. Um, that's what he uses. That's what we share with people. Um, because that's really what we want. You know, we want to be served by our own love and our own truth. Yeah, it's, it's, it's perfect. I, I just had, hadn't really heard that before, but as soon as you said it, it just had this like this ring to it. You haven't heard it before. You'd be sleeping on us, Sam. I mean, I, I, clearly I've been sleeping on creative self-mastery, guys. So... so and, and, and anyone listening needs to check them out because I'm, I'm, I'm going to be checking it after this. There's your 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 plug, man. So happy now. <laughs> no, I appreciate. No, I appreciate the plug, man. It is. Yeah, I mean, we can talk a little bit. I'll just mention a little bit about that. Look, it's it's a great space. It's a great community. It's not just one-on-one expensive coaching fees, all that rubbish. We try to. One of our biggest values is making the work at CSM. The people are seven coaches including myself, 
accessible to as many people as possible. So there's something for everyone at all levels, at all levels of consciousness, at all levels of earning income, all of that sort of stuff. We've got amazing resources there. And plus, you can reach out to any one of us. You can find more details on creativesoftmastery.com. Awesome. I choose to serve myself with love and truth. Um, I'm, I'm definitely going to be trying that one out as well. So, so for, for me personally, to check in with my heart, well, one of the easiest things I, I like to do is just simply put my hand on my heart, which, which I, 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 I used to think that, oh, no, that's just stupid. That doesn't work. It's just this like hippie, airy fairy thing. But I tried it. Something happens. Like you, you feel it. Like even now, I'm putting my, my left hand on my heart, right hand on top, and you just feel this calm, gentle, like expansive, flowy kind of energy. And yeah, it's it's, it's as simple as that. Or something else I like to do is so so how how we did that innocence meditation in the beginning. I I I, I don't do the whole thing or anything. I just close my eyes and I imagine myself as a baby like before thought and feeling and just seeing everything for the first time and just feeling connected to everything and it's, it's the exact sort of, uh, same sort of thing no amazing man like i'm glad you mentioned about the hands because that's also something that i use as well mine's are slightly different I, my fingers point towards my heart and that usually gets that activates mm. what I'm about to do, which is, that really is the cue for me to stepping into my intuition, into my heart self, my heart space. Um, but yeah, hand, basically, something that would, it doesn't have to be your hand on your heart, but that's a very easy way to form that connection, to cultivate that connection. Um, but anything that's not overt, really, we want to do something that you could do on a train or you can do in the middle of like a busy street. You can just slow down and you can just, you know, put your hand on your heart or whatever, or someone could, it could be anything for you guys. There's no, there's no right or wrong way. Um, and, you know, not to take away from what you said, Sanjay, about the baby. I think even for me, the baby cultivates a lot of innocence within me. But what, what, you know, we, I've had conversations with people um, who haven't had the best childhoods. Mm. Um, and, you know, something me, we've had a conversation about this. Uh, you know, we've had a conversations about this at Chris. So Marshall and we were like, sometimes with innocence, no, some people have had some really rough experiences when they were from babies all the way to like adolescence. So we, we love, even though we love using the, 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 the symbol of a baby, it's not, it doesn't always serve the purpose. So you don't, also you don't have to use a baby either. Um, I think a baby helps me that hearing the laugh, all of that helps me. Um, just like it helps you, it gets you there. But, um, just know that you don't even have to be attached to that sort of symbol. Like it can be anything, um, that really connects you to your heart space more than anything. It can be a feeling. It could be a really amazing memory you had, a really loving memory you have of someone or with yourself or a time in your life where you felt really connected to yourself. Just, it can be absolute, there's, there's no right way to do this. Mm. Um, there's no, you know, these are just best practices and what we found over the years in terms of cultivating that, that, that connection to your higher self, your heart space. 
intuition. Mm. I, 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 I did. He didn't actually think about people that he maybe might have had bad childhoods or whatever. Or maybe he, even the thought of a baby could be quite triggering for some people. So that's, that's actually a good point. And like you said, you, you can use anything that, that it elicits that beautiful feeling inside. So, so for example, it could be any memory where you felt unconditional love from somebody. Amen. One hundred. Doesn't even have to be a family, a friend. What, like even your 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 dog or something, right? Like anytime you've you've felt that heart connection, that's what we're trying to cultivate essentially and get to. Because I found that so obviously, oftentimes to this day, I'm I'm in my head a lot of the time. But but, but the times I can be in the heart space, is it's literally like time stops, time stands still. You're in flow. Everything is easy and there are no problems in that moment. That's what I've seen. There's no problems in that moment because problems are created through the mind. Things are occurring in life and yet horrible things happen. But true problems are mind created and they're sustained by the constant thinking that the mind does. So really, getting in the heart space has so many more benefits that, and just it feels good, right? Or it's creative. It's really about living your life in, in this present moment as well. Because anytime you're in the mind, you're automatically not present. Anytime you're thinking, you've, some part of you is off somewhere else and you're not quite there enjoying life. And I, I don't know about you, but for me personally, and I am in the heart space of present, all, all of the colors, are so much more vibrant. You actually see things. You're like, holy shit, how, how have, I, have, I, have I been walking around for the last, I don't know, two days just in this hazy, cloudy, thought-based state and then suddenly something occurs or, or, or you actually remember to do your practice <laughs> and then you're back in that heart space and life's just amazing again. So, but why is it that even though we know that the heart space is beautiful, we we almost choose to just be caught up in thought and think 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 for sometimes days sometimes weeks on end right is that a question yeah yeah <laughs> i said earlier like being in your head or being identified with the unhealthy unhelpful Thought narratives, stories, history. There's only there's only one reason why we do it. It's because it's familiar, and mm-hmm. it's it's a path of least resistance for most of us until we consciously choose to make neuro, new neural pathways. Until then, we're we're destined to seek out anything that feels safe, and anything that feels safe is equal certainty and whatever certain yeah, yeah. Um, familiarity. So, I think that's the only reason why we we get on autopilot like this because it's we we assume that we've just got to make it through this life, and we we really have to avoid shitty circumstances. Another word for just being victim. But when we realize we have agency and switching over to an orientation where you're functional and you're conscious and you're powerful, 
that requires practice. It requires like you would do any sort of training with your physical body. This is a physical, this is a training of your, your neural, your mind or your neural pathways, your connection to your heart. You know, there's studies done, even some of the work like Jody Spender's talked about, talks about that your brain has its own, sorry, your heart has its own intelligence mm-hmm. that's a lot more potent and powerful than what is inside your brain. And the one thing I heard, like, I heard it somewhere, I can't remember the source, but our brain, when it comes to our evolutionary de- development, it's actually really new technology when it comes to the human body. It's actually a new technology, our brain. Our our heart, our central nervous system is actually ancient technology. So it's so refined that cultivating our connection to that, because we're so reliant on our brain, takes practice. Uh, and we live in a world where where everyone is everything is prized on academia, intelligence, knowledge, how much stuff you can remember, all of these types of things. So there's we're encouraged. There's a lot of propaganda that encourages us, encourages us to to rely heavily on our brain and our thinking and our rational minds and working within a, a sort of a finite, overtly evidence-based reality. So why wouldn't we? Why would we need to move outside of that paradigm uh, until we realize, holy shit, like, you take a look at your, li- your life and you realize, well, I'm not where I want to be and this is not what I signed up for. I might not know what I want next, but I'm like, this is sure as I want, this is not what I signed up for. And that, for me, was that's kind of how my I started scratching my head. I was like, well, I was actually forced because I was just being a peon in existence and taking whatever circumstances they came, even though I know deep down that I was meant for something better for myself, mm. something greater for myself. But I didn't, I wasn't courageous enough. I didn't have the faith in myself to take the risks. And then the pain I felt by not, because I didn't go, I didn't, wasn't following through on what my heart truly wanted to experience, eventually it caught up to me. And that's what led to the depression, anxiety, and the mind basically just going, you know, I'm losing my mental faculties, essentially. Losing orientation, as we call it. Um, and it really put me on the hero's journey back to my heart again. But I had to go through that because I realized the cost of denying, you know, compromising your truth, compromising your integrity, your heart's integrity comes at a steep cost. There is always a steep cost when you don't follow through on what's really, what's truly meant for you. Um, that's why I've come to know, but a lot of people may have never had the wake up call like I did. Um, and maybe it's just not, it's just not, they're, it's okay as where they are living a very conventional life, but it's certainly not for me. It hasn't been for the last, at least for the last 10 years, mm. uh, last 12, 13 years. So we're encouraged to, you know, depend on historical evidence of our existence rather than venturing into the unknown and what really, really seeing what's behind, peeking behind the curtains of what's inside our hearts. You know, only now I would say in the last few years that there's a there's stronger narrative with the advent of social media and all that sort of stuff. There's like, you know, you've got a choice. Mm-hmm. There's better options out there. And there's, 
there's ways that you can be supported through it. You don't have to go through it alone. That's very much what, you know, what you had to go through when you had to rise above what you thought about yourself when it came, when it came through your stutter and your speech, your so-called speech impediment. Mm. Um, I had to do the same and, you know, I've got CSM as an amazing supporting structure. I've got other great relationships that completely are in service to me. So, yeah, that's why, that's why we do it. But we have a choice. Damn, we have a choice. All, 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 uh, he's coming in with the, with the golden nuggets. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I, 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 he would like, he could easily talk for hours and hours in here. Um, yeah, I've, 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 I've really got a lot out of this podcast and from you, Mahir. So thank you for being on here. There's been so much in here that people are going to listen to and have to re-listen, I'm sure, because it's, it's just been like, um, truth bombs left, right, center. It's like smashing around town. It's been amazing. Um, and, 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 uh, 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 uh yeah, you, you, you tell people how, how to reach creative self mastery, but, 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 how can people reach you specifically? You can reach me specifically on Instagram at me Patel. That's my handle or at creative self mastery as well, because I'm technically the co-founder second in command and so you can find me through various ways. And I'm, I'm, I keep an eye on all the technology and all the mailboxes and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, reach out to me there. But if you want to directly connect with me, yeah, at Mir Patel, Patel. <laughs> yeah, at Mir.Patel. Let me double don't, check. No, don't, 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 don't worry. I'll, I'll, I'll have, 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 have a link in the description and the correct spelling. So just don't worry about that. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'll talk that out. Appreciate it. Yeah. Cool. Well, well, I, I, I hope you've enjoyed being on the podcast, and I'm, I'm sure we'll have you back in the future. No, thank you, Sanch. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's been amazing. Much love. Thank you for listening to the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I'd love to hear what you got from it, your takeaways and insights. So feel free to message me on Instagram at shocked into awakening. I'm looking forward to hearing from you and I hope you have a great day.